Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. And so y'all are in trouble because this is a two bottle sermon today. Amen. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. You know the difference between a Sadducee and a Pharisee? You don't want to be either, but the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they did not believe in the resurrection. Now you know. Now there's a little Bible knowledge. They were filled with indignation. There's not much difference. Verse 18, they laid their hands on the apostles, that's a no-no, and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When they heard that, They entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have Peter and John brought out. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely. And the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. In other words, uh uh-oh, Peter and John broke out of jail. They're probably vigilantes bent on revenge. They're going to sneak into their homes and causes mischief. Who knows what they were thinking? Verse 25. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, recapture verse 23. Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened the doors, we found no one inside. My message today is entitled, Guarding no one. Little, little Bible humor. Guarding no one. Everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. May be seated. So a book is only as good as where you are in your life when you read it. And a message is only as good as where you are when you hear it and receive it. But I just want you to brace yourself because this message is for everyone here today because this is where we all live in the context of this message. By the way, I look back, I see Brother Steve Medling. We should have buried him two weeks ago. He was in a horrific car accident. Wave your hand, Brother Steve. He's here by the grace of God. We thank the Lord. So, Acts chapter 5, the text, 
The church is having a long church service. We know it's at least three hours long. That's long. We won't be here today for three hours. Well, some of us will that got here. I, I, I was here at seven o'clock. David Palmer was here before I got here making coffee and making everything nice. We'll be here for more than three hours, but the church service won't be three hours. But that service was a three hour service and they had a big offering. They took a lot more time for their offering than we did here today. And uh, well, a little bad news. Two people died during the offering. Uh, because they lied to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm not here to preach about that today. <laughs> but understandably, the Bible says fear gripped the church. Because, you know, there's a time you can get away with things and then there's a time you can't get away with things. There's a time God winks. In fact, that's Bible language. God winked at the ignorance. It's like tongue in cheek. Just, okay, well, we'll let that one slide. But then there's other times God is not letting it slide. And Ananias and Sapphira conspired. They, they agreed. You know, did you see Billy Bob and Jane give that offering last week? Well, we're going to do better than that. They got this carnal thing that came on them, and they agreed to lie. Bald-faced lie right in front of an apostle. That is a no-no. And they conspired and agreed to do it. And the Bible said, Peter said, have you agreed to sell the land for so much? And I said, yes. He said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? It was not about giving everything that you receive for selling it. You know, if you're given 10% of it, then say that. If you're going to give half of it, then say that. But don't give 25% and say you gave it all. That was the lie. And this is the new baby church. And God is protecting the integrity and the, the, the office of spiritual authority. And it was not the right time to lie. And I'm, I'm not condemning anybody here today. In fact, this message is exactly the opposite of that. But I want you to get the context because the Bible said that fear gripped the hearts of the people. In other words, a healthy fear of the Lord. And they realized that this is God's church. And Peter's not in the business of killing people. But they lied to the Holy Ghost and the Lord said, I'm, I'm nipping this in the bud right now. I'm not going to allow lying, deception, carnality, disunity. I'm not going to allow it in my baby church. I got to get this thing moving in the right direction. And so God took care of it. What happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Well, beyond the fact that they got buried, at least they got buried in the church cemetery. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Where they went in eternity, that's between them and God. But it's, it wasn't a good thing. And so great fear grips the church. But watch this. It was followed, that fear was followed by miracles, wonders, and signs. The apostles suddenly were elevated in the minds of the people. This was not an ego trip for the spiritual leaders of the church. But let me tell you that when you give honor to spiritual authority, it doesn't puff up 
a man's head or a woman or make them feel special. What happens is if you believe that they're a mighty man or a woman of God, then God can do a miracle in your life. If you don't believe they're mighty, if you don't believe they have integrity with God, then guess what? You will not get any miracle. But if you believe that they have the power of God, that they stand in the place of God, amen, fear grip the church. And they're like, oh man, Peter really is a man of God. And they got a fear of the Lord. And then God released miracles, wonders, and signs. And I'm telling you, we're in a season of miracles right now. We're in a season of a visitation of the Spirit of God. In fact, we're in a season that God will do something for you even if you don't ask him to. Just spontaneous. Flowing. Miracles. And so, what was the response of the religious leaders? Can I tell you something? Religious people are always a problem. That was sort of refreshing right there. (laughs) Jesus' problem was not from sinners. Not from honest people. His problem was with the fakes. His problem was with the hypocrites. His problem was with the Pharisees. So we've got to keep it real. We've got to keep it honest with God. And the religious leaders, the religious people, it was a religious spirit that killed Jesus. Think about it. And that same spirit is in the leaders of the Jewish community, the Judaizers, and they rise up against Peter and John. The Bible says they were jealous. Jealousy is a bad octane to fill up your tank with. And they're running on it. And so they had Peter and John arrested. They bound them, probably put them in chains, shackles. They haul them off. They bring them to the prison, put them in a cell. They lock the door. They set guards to watch them to make sure they don't try to escape, to make sure nobody tries to break in and release them. And you got to understand they're cautious about locking people up because they don't have a good track record of locking people up, starting with Jesus. They, they locked him, you know, they killed him. Graveyard dead. I mean, Jesus wasn't dead. He was dead, 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 dead. Whipped dead. You know, crown of thorns dead. Spear in his side dead. Back torn one commentator said you could look through the rib cage of Jesus and see his eternal, internal organs as he was trying to carry his cross down the Via Dolorosa. I mean, Jesus is dead, dead, twice dead. They killed him dead. They put him in a tomb. It's dark, cold, and clammy. They seal a two-ton stone over the face of that tomb. They put Pilate's seal on it. He's guarded with 16 soldiers. How's that working out for him? Not good. On the morning of the third day, there's an earthquake. The stone is rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let the guards know that he wasn't there. And so it's understandable 
that they're taking all of these precautions with Peter and John because the chapter before this, they took knowledge of them, Peter and John, that they had been with Jesus and they knew, amen, that if they did not lock them up tight, that they were in trouble. Well, guess what? It happened again. And so no sooner did they lock up Peter and John, but the angel of the Lord appears. He unlocks their chains, unlocks the doors, brings them out, tells them to go back to the temple and start preaching again. So think about this. And this is sort of the springboard for the message. Here's these trained professional soldiers. They're guarding a prison cell that they thought Peter and John were in. They're guarding it. They're protecting it. These law enforcement officers are guarding their prisoners all night long. So I don't know what they were doing all night long, but maybe they're playing checkers, you know, just outside the door. They're thinking, ah, we got them in there. They're in there. They're locked up tight. They ain't going nowhere. Let's play checkers. Let's finish that chess game we had going. Here, let's get out the cards and, and we'll play a little parcheesi or, you know, poker or whatever. And so they're, they're playing and, and they think that they've got them locked up. And the whole time they are guarding nobody. I mean, think of that. You got to love God. The enemy thinks they've got Peter and John, the two biggest, baddest dudes in the church, locked up, locked behind bars. We're in control of these guys. Let's play games all night long. And they are literally guarding no one. Now, in the Bible, church leaders didn't go to prison for things that church leaders are going to prison for today. Church leaders are going to prison for fraud, soliciting, embezzlement, abuse. I saw a headline this week that the leader of one of the largest religious Christian organizations has resigned because his resume was a fraud. He resigned his position because he's a fake. He lied and he was celebrated as their top leader. It's a sad commentary. Well, maybe before Jesus comes back, we'll have some more preachers go to prison, but for the, for the right reason, for preaching the truth, for preaching the gospel. We have missionaries here. We have retired missionaries here who have been threatened with their lives for preaching the gospel and I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but my son's a prophet. But I'll tell you, amen, that before the Lord Jesus comes back, there is going to be trouble. There is going to be a push against the church. And who knows, amen, what's going to happen to religious leaders. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not bragging today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, trying to make myself something that I'm not. But God give me grace and God give you grace that we will not compromise the truth. We will not back up our on the message. 
Peter said, whether it be right in the sight of God to listen to you or listen to God, you be the judge. He said, but we cannot but speak the things which God has shown us and the things that we have heard. And I'm telling you, my friend, there is no freedom outside of the word of God. There is no salvation outside of the word of God. There is no sanity in this world without the word of God. Can I tell you, the only thing that blesses the world today, it's not politics, it's it's not the Kansas City Chiefs. It's, it's, it's not the economy. What is blessing the world today is the God who wrote this word. And the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away. But God's word will never pass away. I want to tell you something today. You are Don't minimize yourself. Don't think more small of yourself than what you ought to think. Your neighborhood is blessed because you live in it. Your job is blessed because you work there. Amen. The grocery restored blessed when you walk in there because you are a child of God because you have a relationship with God because you know what's going on in this world if you believe it clap your hands to the Lord hallelujah and I'm glad that I can tell you that whatever prison the enemy tries to lock you into that God has the keys. He can unlock that prison door and set you free. This is what Satan's been doing for a long time. He loves to lock people up and shut them down. He locks humans up with addiction, drugs, Alcohol, porn, lust, hate, bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, shame, guilt, condemnation. You see, here's how dirty the devil is. He will tempt you and tempt you and tempt you and give you all kinds of crazy ideas and make you think that things that are true are not true. And, 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 then, and then, then he entices you so sweetly that you step into his trap and you fall and you sin and you say dumb things and you do dumb things and, and, and you you do things that you know are wrong and that you shouldn't and aren't the best for you. Am I preaching to anybody here today? And then we think, well, at least now I got the devil off my back. Are you kidding me? He's just getting started. He's not off your back when you fall into his temptation when you do what he's been conniving and scheming and setting this trap for you, he's not done with you. That, that's just when he locks you in that prison and then he starts railing on you. Oh, 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 you know, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brother. Then he starts accusing, oh, you call yourself a Christian. Look what you did. You, you go to that saved, sanctified, justified, petrified life church. You're all saved and up in there and worshiping. And look, you just, you're not even 24 hours out of a powerful life service, life church service. And look what you did. Look how you treated those people. Look what you said. 
to your husband, your wife, your parents, your mother, your father. He's the accuser of the brother. He's not finished with you when he gets you locked up, when you've committed that sin, but now he's going to jump on your back like a 500 pound gorilla and put all kinds of guilt and shame and condemnation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here today? And here's, here's the message. Here's the message. I'm convinced that there are people sitting in America in Christian churches today that don't believe that God loves them. They believe that God's love is based on a performance, not on relationship. They believe that if I pray an hour a day, read five chapters in my Bible, go to church two times a week, pay my tithes, sing in the choir, spit white, don't go swimming with bow-legged women, and I'm following all these rules, then God loves me. That is one of, that is another one of Satan's big lies. And that's where he does his dirtiest, worst work. How could you be so low down? How could, you're such a scallywag. You're a liver lilied, yellow bellied, spineless, weak, good for nothing. You can't lift your hands when you come to the light church. You can't lift up your voice and worship God. Look at all those happy, clappy people. Well, that ain't you. Oh, no. You're locked up. You can't do it. I know this is where people live because this is a battle I face. This is a battle you face. And God sent a grace preacher to you today to tell you that Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who love Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody, amen, needs to let Jesus Christ break you out of prison today. You'll never earn it. You can never perform it. Amen. It's only the grace of God. Are any of my grandkids in the, in, the, in the room right now? Come here, Melina. Come here. Come here, Rosemary. Is Marigold in here? Come here. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come over here, Melina. Marigold, you can come if you want to. So, can they earn my love? Does she have anything that I don't already have? Does little Rosemary, this is Melina, this is Rosemary, can they give me anything I don't already have? I don't think so. I'd be, I was living just fine. But oh, when the grandkids came along, it was a game changer. Grandkids are better than kids. Oh. You don't have to spank them. They never get in trouble with grandpa and grandma. They get anything they want when they come over. 
before Rosemary leaves, she has to get a little snack from Grammy's pantry. She can have whatever she wants. She can get the steaks out of the freezer. She can get the turkey we're holding back for Thanksgiving. Whatever she wants, she can have it. It's usually something real simple like pretzels or applesauce or something like that. My little Melina, she can have anything she wants. They can't earn it. I love them unconditionally. You know why? Because I have a relationship. Thank you, girls. Oh, I wish I could preach this today. I wish somebody could be delivered today from condemnation, from guilt. You see, some of you have never heard a sermon like this because you've come from legalistic backgrounds. You've come from legalistic families. You've, become, you've come from parents that, that don't give you a popsicle until you perform. That, that you think the next A you're going to get is finally I'm going to get dad's love and mom's, you know, blessing. That, that next trophy that I earn is going to earn me the blessing. Can I tell you that that may be man's way, but that is a dysfunctional way to show love. That is not God. The Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He showed the most powerful expression of his love for us, not when we were perfect, not when we were performing, but when we couldn't give him anything, when we couldn't do anything. Can I tell you, you can't give God anything that he doesn't already have. Amen. It's time for you to get a revelation of the forgiveness of God. Jesus said the thief comes to steal kill and destroy then Jesus said but I have come that you might have life that you might have it more abundantly Stop believing the killer. Stop believing the liar. Stop believing the cheater. Don't listen to his lies. Listen, Jesus said in John, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. If Satan's lips are moving, he is lying. He's lying. I don't preach much about the devil at the Life Church, but I'm preaching against him today. I'm preaching against his lies. I'm standing against the lies of the devil. Somebody needs to leave here in a baptism that he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Jesus is for me. You, you think about Paul's writings. You think about Paul's writings. Think about Paul. He's, he's against the church before he gets saved. He's persecuting Christians. He's throwing the ones that Jesus suffered and bled and died for in jail. He's having them tormented. He's having them martyred. He's persecuting them. You got to think about this. And so he gets arrested by the Lord on the road to Damascus. Most of you know the story. He's converted, he repents, he's baptized, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all in Acts chapter 9. And he goes right to the synagogue and he starts preaching. Now you think about that turnaround. He's persecuted. 
the church. Now he's advocating. What sort of guilt trip should he have been on? What sort of condemnation? And it comes through a little bit when he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. He writes this, I'm the greatest sinner that there ever was. But then he turns around and he says, what shall separate me from the love? I never killed anybody, Brother Mark. I never persecuted one Christian in my life. I rebelled against a couple pastors once in a while when I was a teenager. But uh, who doesn't? But I got that under the blood. And that's why I turned out so good. <laughs> you got to get your heart right. You got to get your spirit right. And, and I never did any of the things that the, the Apostle Paul did. And he said, what will separate us from the love of God? He said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. He's saying no devil, no spiritual demon can lie to me and convince me that he doesn't love me. Principalities, powers, or things present, or things to come, no height or depth, or any other creature. He just lumped them all in. If I forgot something, I'm just going to say any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God. I want somebody to come out of your prison right now. I'm trying to preach somebody out of jail. The devil thinks he's guarding you. He's not guarding anybody. He's guarding no one. He doesn't have any hold on me. He don't have any hold on me. You may be seated. I I heard about a guy. Actually, it was our our former global missions director, T.F. Tenney. Some of you don't know that before he was district superintendent, he was youth president, then global mission director. He's passed away several years ago now, but... When he was global mission director, he came back to the States and he told this story about one of our missionaries was trying to penetrate a village with the gospel. And typically in this part of the world, the witch doctor is in charge. In fact, when C.P. Thomas took our team to meet King Raman in South India, the king of all the tribal kings, and over millions of people. And we met him. He had his little entourage there. And he had his witch doctor there. I was introduced to him. This is our witch doctor. He had a little gourd or something. Like Karen or CP said. Oh, Rasa, that make him very important. He carry gourd. He's very important, man. I said, yeah, we'll see about that. And so the missionary is trying to reached this king and the witch doctor tried to intimidate the missionary and you better believe the devil has power but he's on a leash and everything that God does the devil tries to imitate and so the witch doctor sort of went and there was a thing nailed to the wall of the king's room and it was, it was paper 
It was nailed with a nail. And the missionary said, that thing shredded. It just just shredded all the way up to the nail. And then it it hung on with that nail. Missionary said, ha! That's just like your God. He steals, kills, and destroys. That's what he's doing to this village. But let me show you what my God can do. And he, I don't know what you think about this magic show, but he turned to it, he pointed, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and that which had been shredded came back together. Hallelujah. God restored what the devil shredded. And I'm telling you today that that is a picture of what God can do in your life. The devil steals, kills, destroys. He wants to shred your family. He wants to shred your mentality. He wants to shred your personal life. But I'm telling you where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God has come to seek and to save in this house. Clap your hands if you believe it. The Bible says, be not ignorant of Satan's devices. NLT says, Satan, we cannot let Satan outsmart us. We are familiar with his schemes. The devil does his best work in torment. Just a few years ago, one of our pastor's wives had climbed... to the outside of a high bridge in Louisiana. And she was holding on to a pole. And despite the screaming pleas of her six-year-old boy, the pastor's wife, she let go. She fell to her death. How does that happen? I don't know the science of that. I'm not standing as her accuser. I'm personal friends with her husband, and he's a man of God, and God has helped him to negotiate and work through this. I don't know what happened. I can't explain that. That's never a good thing, people. That is no way to check out. It's not biblical. It's not Christian. But I don't know how people get to the place where that is their only option. I don't know how that happens. I know people get there. I've known people who got there. I'm not going to judge anybody here today. Some of you have suffered tremendous loss because of people that you loved. They saw that as their only way out. And we thank God that they're in the hands of God. And God always does the right thing. But I'm telling you, let it never happen to another one. Somebody get some help today. Somebody believe that he loves you. Somebody believe. I'm coming against the spirit of darkness right now. I'm coming against the spirit of suicide right now. He loves you. He loves you. You're going to make it. You won't be defeated. God will save you. He will be there for you if you will cry out to him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm I'm bringing the message to a close, but Satan is called the accuser. 
Revelation 12, 10. I heard a loud voice saying, heaven, now salvation, the strength of the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them, who? The saints before our God day and night, read the rest of it, has been cast down. We hear preaching about the accuser of the brethren, but in the very verse that identifies him in this role, it also says God's going to take care of him. And, and that ultimate casting down hasn't happened yet, but you can cast him down right now. Casting down vain imaginations, Paul said, and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I come against a spirit of perish. I come against a spirit of death. I come against a spirit of depression. I come against a spirit of darkness. He loves you. Nothing can separate you. When you were a sinner, he died for you. <laughs> the only place he called the accuser, the scripture is quick to say, he was cast down. Can I have five more minutes? Listen to this carefully. You may be seated. I believe that we are much harder on ourselves than what God is. Can I have a good Baptist nod? God bless all of our Baptist friends. We're harder on ourselves. You know, nod and raise your eyebrows like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We're harder on ourselves than God is. Can I, can I just close and read? <laughs> this really was a good sermon, but I just sort of went crazy. <laughs> Listen to this, Colossians 2.12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He canceled it. And he took it away. How? Nailing it. To the cross. Jesus nailed it. <laughs> In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Not only did he disarm them, he publicly humiliated them in shame through his victory on the cross. Verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you. Woman, where are your accusers? I don't have any. Neither do I condemn you. Go. 
sin no more. I tell you something, grace is not a license to sin. Grace is permission from God to never have to do it again, to never have to go back to it. You can live beyond it. You can live above it. But thank God, if you fall, just get back up. The Bible said a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. What's the difference between a righteous man and a wicked man? A wicked man falls and he doesn't get back up. Because when he falls, he's like the, the pig that gets cleaned up and goes back to the mud. And the dog that's washed up vomits and goes back to the vomit. But saved people, when they fall, they get back up because they know that's not my identity. That's not where I want to live. That's not who I am. I'm not going to stay down. I may be down, but I'm not going to stay down. I may be defeated, but I'm not going to stay defeated. This is a war, and that's only one battle. I might have lost that battle today, but I'm going to win the war. Last scripture, you got to hear this, and I'm done. Micah 7, verse 15, NLT. Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you, like those I did when I rescued you from the slavery of Egypt. Now, now keep that. Keep that in your mind, the slavery of Egypt. All the nations of the world will stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. They will be embarrassed at their feeble power. They will cover their mouths in silent awe, deaf to everything around them. Like snakes crawling from their holes, they will come out to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly, trembling in terror at his presence. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. <laughs> What's, what's Micah appealing to? He's appealing to Moses standing in front of the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism. Bible says that. The cloud is a type of the baptism of the Spirit. Paul said that. And the water of the Red Sea crossed. Can I tell you something? Without baptism, there is no salvation. When I baptized Thomas today, it's not just a plunge party and a public confession of something that's already happened. Oh, no. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. As the baptism of the Red Sea saved the children of Israel from Pharaoh and his armies. And he washed them away in the depths of the sea. That's what he's talking about. So does baptism place us in covenant and relationship with God. My brothers and sisters, if you're born again, you got it made. You're going to make it. Turn to somebody and say, don't quit. You got to make it. If you're born again, if you repented of your sins, baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, 
and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the power of the resurrection in you, you've got it made. I'm not saying you'll never have a battle. I'm not saying you'll never fall. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I pastored this church for 35 years. I know that ain't a fact. All perfect people are dismissed. (laughs) And if you find a perfect church, don't join it. Because you'll ruin everything. Church is not for perfect people. It's for sinners saved by grace. Strugglers. And the Lord said, I handled your sin just like I buried Pharaoh. They never saw him again. When the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of your future. And remind him of his future. Stand with me. Jesus Christ forgets your failures, but he remembers your faithfulness. He forgets your sins and plunges them under the sea of forgiveness. But he remembers your sacrifices. He forgets your iniquities. But he remembers your efforts for his kingdom. So. Brother, thank you, Ethan. Some of you know the story of one of my wife's disciples, Ben Bland. Ben was living a very committed homosexual lifestyle. By a series of prayers, Bible studies, and mostly the work of the Holy Spirit. Today, he's he's a heterosexual male. He is. He is. And listen to this. He's preaching. He's preaching in all kinds of denominations. He's cross-pollinating Pentecost. He's preaching the Catholic Church, Methodist Church, the Lutheran Church, Charismatic Church. He's God's opening amazing. He was just here to help Michaela and Jackson plan their wedding. And he was here on Sunday and we laid hands on him. The Holy Ghost fell on him. The Lord told him to start laying hands on people. Now he's seeing miracles. Now people are being healed. Now people are being filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're giving God all the glory. But here's what I want to tell you. He told my wife, and he'll come and give his story here at the Life Church. Because you are his inspiration. They love our church. He said, for months, he wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until, was he, where was he sitting? In his car? He was driving. I don't advise this. (laughs) He was driving and he got a revelation of the love of God. 
And when he got a revelation of the love of God, instantly God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, I want, when we leave this house today, I want the devil to be guarding no one. A big jail break. A big prison break. You know, if he can't throw you in a federal penitentiary, he'll put you in a state prison. If he can't get you in the state prison, he'll put you in a county work farm. If he can't get you in a county work farm, he'll put you in the back of a police car. If he can't get you in there, at least he'll put handcuffs on you. If he can't do that, at least he'll give you a parole officer. Whatever level you're at today, you don't have to accept any of it. (laughs) You know, I I don't want this to be heavy right now. I, I want a party. I want somebody to come out dancing. Somebody need to get a revelation today. Hallelujah. He loves me. He's for me. I can never earn it. Oh, hallelujah. Can we get the band up here, Brother Larmy? Can we get the, can we sing? Hell had lost another one. I am free. I am free. Come on, I wish hell would lose another one today. Huh? Come on. Come on up here. The dance floor is now open. The party has begun. I want you to live like you're delivered. Worship like you're set free. Come on, somebody get up here and get a revelation. Come on, I need religious people to get up here. Come on, keep coming. People are coming behind you. People are coming behind you. All I can think of is he that the Son has set free is free indeed. I need to get Marissa up here to sing that. Praise God. Come on, join the party. Don't you leave here condemned. Don't you leave here with your head down. That's what the Bible says. Look up and lift up your heads. People that are in shame, people that are in humiliation their heads are down but people that are free he's the lifter of our heads come on lift up your head lift up your head come on lift it up come on lift it up lift it up Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.